One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Given what did indeed happen on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite, I have decided to dub it Violence. Violence personified. It was so damn aggressive. It also started off with John Moxley versus Hangman Page round three. I can't lie to you. <laughs> I was instantly in tears. Because as Mox was coming to the ring, announcer Justin Roberts went, accompanied by his father, and I started to look around, and the only person I could see was Wheeler Uta. So I was like, well, I didn't see that story twist coming. And then noticed there was an older gentleman behind them, and that we were basically in Moxie's hometown, so it all started to make sense. I don't know how I'm still here either. As for the match too, this was absolute carnage because the bell didn't ring for about 45 hours because they were just kicking the crap out of each other on the outside and throwing each other into Barry Barricade. So I'm going to get my sign out again. I will not let this lie until somebody does sort it out. (laughs) John Moxley got Hangman's ring jacket and started to choke him. I don't know about you, but I think that's illegal. They then just continued to fight outside the ring when Moxie decided he was going to get a chair and pilmanize the cowboy's foot when the ref was like, please, would you just have a wrestling match? And that basically distracted Johnny Boy. So Hangman got this damn thing and he threw it right into his face. So who had about four and a half minutes before John Moxie started bleeding? If you did... You won the lottery. Mox was then back murking Paige when he went for some kind of springboard and Jonathan just cut him off. And then they were on the ring apron, the hardest part of the ring. And even though they were both trying to hit their moves, they weren't able to do it. So I like this. Wrestlers are evolving and wrestlers are learning. Paige's face was then thrown into Tina the Turnbuckle when Moxie was like, and he started to bite him, which is not a normal thing to you. But do you know what Paige did back to him? He started to bite him as well. I was like, what the flub is going on in this thing? So we were basically going by children fighting rules. If you do that to me, I'm going to do it back to you. And at this stage, Paige really started to kink Joel Moxley's ass, including hitting an avalanche DVD. And when John kept trying to get up, he started going, stay down, stay down. Why won't you stay down? As if John Moxley was some kind of robot that wasn't taking instructions. And then he continued to take a huge step forward because we had Miss Death Riders, we had Miss Moonsaults, and we had Angman Page just grabbing John Moxley and powerbombing him through Timmy the Timekeeper's table. Then almost counted Mox out, and when he got back in the ring, he got hit with the dead eye, one, two, kick out. This was a pay-per-view caliber match. John eventually turned things around because he was able to hit that big King Kong lariat, which has essentially been at the center of this entire feud. <laughs> they looked at each other and they just started punching each other in the face. 
I think by this point, they'd forgotten what wrestling was. Finishes were then being counted again when the cowboy was able to hit the tombstone. Plus, he followed this up with the buckshot lariat. And if you can believe it, I totally thought that was the end. But it was a big tease. It was a big ruse. Because just before the referee was about to count him down, Mox kicked out. The reaction to that. The finish was so damn good too, because Adam was then, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to use your own move against you. And he applied the bulldog choke. And this is when Mox, I assume, went through his maneuvers brain. And he was like, I know what I'll do. I'll hit the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And he got the win. I mean, kind of. Both basically did win and they both lost. Because this was carnage. Because like I say, it basically does keep them even, even though Mox is now two to one up. And afterwards, Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxie's dad, Wheeler Uta, was here. Well, Mox and Paige acted like they still wanted to go at it, even though you could look into your eyes and say, that is a terrible idea. The commentators put this over massively too. Also, where do you go from here? Because one would presume they do have to have another match, but that's four in a row. And actually, credit to everyone involved, because do I want to see it? Yes, I do giving it up. Also, let's not forget that is a surprise roll-up, so we pull it down and over WWE and AEW, it rolls up to 14. Come on, 100. We then got this cool video for our main event, which of course is Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe for the TNT title when Rennie Paquette was interviewing Jamie Hayter. Now, at first, I was like, ah, oh, wonderful. James has some new friends because she was hanging out with the bunny, the butcher, and the blade. And as you know, you want to be bunched with those guys, you get a discount in their shop. I was then proved totally wrong because actually the bunny wanted to face Jamie Hayter, and I think they're going to do that on Rampage. <laughs> when we cut to this other shot, where Britt Baker was getting her ass kicked by Soraya and Tony Storm. These two are definitely bad guys now. Hater ran away to try and help her friend, and there's more to this later. And as I have been telling you, I like this story. I think it's going somewhere interesting. The acclaimed were in action next, and we basically did this so they could get a quick win. This was mostly because they were facing the Outrunners, who I believe were called Turbo Floyd. (laughs) Truth Magnum, which are the greatest names I've ever heard in my life. And also, when Max Caster was doing his opening rap, he compared them to the Beverly Brothers. So I was just dancing around. Somebody bring back the genius. And there's not much to say here either, because it was just the squash. We got the arrival. We got the mic drop. One, two, three. Really, you then crossed your arms, and you were like, well, the gun club's going to come out. I'm sure the gun club is going to come out. So out came the gun club. Scissor. And they wanted a tag team title shot. And when Anthony Bowens asked the crowd, everyone went boo. And as they started to get into it, Danny Ash was like, can everybody just calm down? I can't handle this anymore. I need some peace. He then started to walk away where Austin Gunn lowered the tone. He was like, oh, there he goes again, leaving us much like he did when we were kids. And I bet he goes and buries his sorrows in a bunch of pills. <laughs> I don't think I should have heard that. This really annoyed Father Gun though, so he turned around and he did take this title match. And the acclaim were a bit like, wait, what the hell are you doing, daddy ass? But I will tell you this. If you've been following the story the last couple of weeks, it kind of feels like Billy Gunn is going to reunite with his son, leaving some people to be like, no, I don't want that. That sounds absolutely terrible. But here is the thing. As good as the acclaimed have been with Billy Gunn, eventually it will run its course. That's just what happens in wrestling. And if you are super smart, you want to stay ahead of the game. And I think that's what we're kind of doing here. I wouldn't even mind if he does screw over the acclaimed and the guns wins the belts. Can't help it. That's how I feel in my tum-tum. Mostly though, I do just like both teams and I love the fact they are having a spotlight shot on them, which is why I'm giving it an up. And then, I think Jungle Hook broke up. What? 
Sally Smarvez was interviewing the wonderfully haired Jack Perry and he was all like, man, I love the tag team and I love Hook. He's got wonderful hair too. But I've done the tag team thing. It didn't really work out. So in 2023, I'm going after singles gold. Now I suppose this could go off in the direction where Hook and Jungle Boy start facing each other. But how the hell am I going to be handling that given I am living vicariously through the fact they have these wonderful locks? But I guess we just have to keep an eye on it. I hope they do keep tagging together. There's videos of me out there saying I think they're going to be champions in 2023. And then we just had another top match because people have got their working shoes on. Because it was Brian Cage versus Takeshita, much like our opener, these two just went nuts. I mean, they just flew at each other to start off with, with Takeshita hitting this crossbody to the outside. But you probably shouldn't do that to Cage because he eventually grabbed the man and he gave him a power bomb on the aisleway, on the rampway. And I was like, in what other job are you allowed to do this and not get fired? They then returned to the ring where they punched each other for a while and Takeshita hit this amazing blue thunder bomb. Like, these are two big guys. I don't know how they were able to do it. And after he had fallen to the outside, do you know how Brian got him back in the squared circle? He did that suplex over the top rope. And honestly, I've seen that a lot and it never gets old. He also hit this horrible looking German suplex. Und German das Dammit. When Takeshita rolled through the buckle bomb, he just slammed it with a drop kick. The counters kept on coming too because Cage went for a DVD, but somehow Takeshita was able to hit a Liger bomb for a two count. When we got a drill claw attempt, two pain busters and an F5, which built into the finish. Because Takeshita just kept on fighting through, and unlike most of his other matches, eventually he hit an avalanche brain buster, and he hit that big old knee, and the ref went one, and the ref went two, and the ref went three. That's what you do at the end of a wrestling match, meaning Takeshita had just got his big win. Yes, so Takeshita had done it, Mr. Burns had won it. And if we keep doing this, which apparently is the plan, Takeshita is going to be a massive deal at the end of this year. Especially because he's got one more story beat later. But for now, I'm giving it up. Renee then returned and she was in the back with the Jericho Appreciation Society. They are never happy. And they started to claim that they didn't cheat to win to beat Ricky Starks and Action Andretti last week, even though they definitely did. When Jericho came up with the plan, if Ricky Starks wants to face him, he's going to have to survive the Garcia Guevara gauntlet. They explained this too and thank Flub for that, otherwise you'd have no idea. But now Ricky, I guess in one match, is going to have to beat Angelo Parker. He's going to have to beat Matt Menard, when at the end of it he shall face either Sam or Danny and they'll decide at the time. And as the wizard went on to say, if you do all of that, you can take me on, but you still gotta lose. Well, I actually thought this was really smart because it's simple wrestling booking. Essentially, Starks has to go through all of the JOS to get to their leader. Just do that, have him win, and continue whoop, to give him the push. We were then in a gym with the elite. Why not? They were also with Michael Nakazawa and Tom Callis, as Kenny Omega told us, hey, top flight AR Fox, we heard your challenge. We heard what you said last week. So we'd love to have a trios title match with you. Let's do it next week. All right. He also said they better shoot their shot because the elite never miss, which is when Nick Jackson turned around and hit a three-pointer. <laughs> I was like, it was so cheesy. I loved it. When the firm turned up, what are they doing here? And it was Stokely Hathaway, Ethan Page, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy. And essentially, they want to take the elite on a rampage. So they're doing it. And given what most people often say about Rampage, well, roll it. So I am back with my friend, the Pesipus. And Pesipus, what do you think about Rampage? Well, I can't believe that Tony Khan said he was going to make Rampage a bigger deal. And then what did he do? He put John Moxley on a few times and he forgot about it. Well, no, that's not true. Actually, if you watch Rampage, it's a really good 60-minute show. And also, this week, it's the Firm versus the Elite. That's pretty good. Don't you tell me what to think. I just want to moan on Twitter. So I say I look forward to this. And also, at the end... 
Isaiah Cassidy went up to Kenny Mager in his ear and just went, uh, uh, as if he was having an orgasm. I have no idea what that was, but he should do it more. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And then it was time for wrestling. Because it was Brian Danielson versus Timothy Thatcher. And this Timmy... Knowing that his whole job was just to inflict pain on the American dragon, he just looked like a kid that was going to Disneyland. As Brian's arm is all flubbed up as well, Thatcher went right after that, and the way that Brian got back from this was just to punch Timothy right in the head. And then it just went full-on tech wrestling, because they were trying to tie each other up in knots. Like, seriously, if you've never done wrestling, that's totally cool. But if you have, how are these two guys so good at it? Even when Brian tried to apply the label lock, he wasn't able to do it. Which is when Thatcher kind of got his arm... And he did this throw suplex thing. And I have been thinking about this all morning because it was pure 2 plus 2 equals potato. It didn't make any sense. Danielson had to then fire off a top rope drop kick when all of a sudden they were challenging Sagat because they were giving each other uppercuts. I think that basically woke Brian up. Because he was all like, well, what have I been doing? And he went right to the hammer and anvil elbows. And then... <laughs> He just booted Tim right in the face. It led to a choke, because again, do not forget, if you can't breathe, you can't wrestle, because you're probably going to die. And because Thatcher was trying to get Danielson's wrist, all of a sudden, they knocked the referee down, because there was so much movement. I was like, I was not ready for sports entertainment in this. MJF is a weird dude, too, because he must have just been stood behind the curtain waiting for something like this, because he came out with the dynamite diamond ring, I suppose, to punch Brian Danielson, when all of a sudden, he got attacked. And when the smoke clears, you realised... It was none other than Takeshita. Thankfully, by this point, the referee was back up. And even though Thatcher teased that he was going to go for the armbar, Danielson hit the German suplex, gut our bite, followed it up with the running knee. And of course, he gets the win as he heads on to Revolution. We got so much here too, though, because then we did zoom to the back where MGF and Takeshita were still fighting each other. So it's the push. When Renee Paquette ran in, she was like, well, I've just been talking to Tony Khan. And next week, you two are going to fight in a title eliminator match. 
What? This also means the belt isn't on the line, so here's what we have to do. The Kester has to be MGF. I know, once again, you're being a pessimist going, no, we can't do that. Of course we can. MGF is good enough that he can survive anything right now. And then after the Danielson match, we can do the Kester versus Maxwell for the championship. And that's when MGF gets his win back. And then again, we're trying to push the Kester to the moon. It's the perfect way to do it. He will have beaten the AEW champion. So if we go in this direction, just make sure you hold on to your ears. Feels nice. We then had a video with Swerve Strickland and the Mogul Affiliates after this. And they were basically like, we don't like Dustin Rhodes and we don't like Brian Pillman Jr. So essentially, if you have a famous wrestling name, you're screwed. I do believe they're going to fight on Rampage as well. When Swerve also finally told us the name of that new recruit he's had for ages. And it's Trench. I think that's what they said. Once again, I was laughing. Nobody is called Trench. We were then in the back with Preston Vance, Roosh, and Jose the assistant, as Lexi Nair was all like, oh, Roosh, you're going to take on Brian Danielson next week, when MJF busted in, and he had a briefcase full of cash. It's quite funny, too. It wasn't organized at all. I mean, if somebody told me that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm busy next week. I'm washing my hair. But Maxwell did promise him, if you rip off Danielson's arm, there will be another suitcase full of this stuff. So if AEW is literal with this, next week's Dynamite is going to be disgusting. This brought us to Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet for the TBS title. And I tell you this, while the story has been all over the place, I sat there with my ass in my couch and thought to myself, I'm actually quite intrigued about this one. So mission success. I tell you what too, it was all right. Early on, Red Velvet was like, I know how I'm going to get you, Jade. I'm going to be super aggressive. So Cargill just flicked her away. But Red also had a plan B where she started to use her quickness. Now that speed idea definitely worked and it allowed her to hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And while Jade did kick out here, you were a bit like, man, Velvet kind of kicking her ass. Sadly for her, Cargill just slammed her ass. And when Red jumped off the apron, Jade caught her once again and threw her into Rita the ring post. I was like, here we go. The best part is, though, because they were on the outside, Cargill got Red Velvet, put her in a press slam, walked up Simba the Steel steps, and then threw her neck onto the top rope. Also, Cargill is getting so much better. Because do you know what she did after this? She went for the pin. And you would do that basically killed her. She also followed up with a pump kick which Red Velvet kicked out from and don't forget Jade has beaten a few people with that so it meant something. This is when Kira Hogan returned to AEW and she threw Layla Gray into Simba the Steel Steps and given that Layla had done nothing I was like well that's a little bit unfair which is when Aubrey Edwards got kind of caught up in this and she told Kira to go away. At the same time however Red Velvet hit that bit whirlwind kick and she pinned Jade and once again, the ref wasn't looking, but if I was doing it, this is what you would have seen. That's right, she had Cargill beat. Ooh, the lally. Red then thought, well, maybe if I wring Cargill's arms, this will work, but all it did was piss off Jade, because she used her power again. She got Red Velvet into the jaded position. She hit her, one, two, three, still stood the champ. She has gone 50 and 0, which is pretty damn impressive. And also she left here celebrating with her child. And after that, and that crazy press slam move, I don't think anybody's going to boo Jade Cargill anymore. And as we always say, she definitely needs a proper threat soon. But I really enjoyed this. I think it exceeded expectations. Up and then, more teasing. Do I love a tease? So Paquette was in the back asking Britt Baker how she was, given she did get beaten up earlier. When Ruby Soho walked in and said, hey, I just want you to know, I had nothing to do with that. It was nothing to do with me. 
Can you imagine that? The police knock on the door and you open it and go, listen, officer, I know someone was dead, but you don't look in this direction. Britt didn't believe this either and nor should she because what we should do here is we should put Soraya with Tony Storm and Tony Storm with Ruby Soho and you can call them the AEW Outsiders. I think everyone is doing a terrific job with this, so much so, up. And then Samoa Joe tried to kill Darby Allen. I mean, this episode of Dynamite was violence. Because, of course, it was these two in their third match with the TNT title on the line. And there was no rules, basically. And Darby Allen either deserves a raise or Darby Allen deserves a hug. Because what he puts himself through every single match, he on another level. Samoa Joe is just also back to his old fantastic self. And when Darby came out here, he had a hoodie on that was filled with thumbtacks. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think you can buy those, so he must have made it himself. He just ran at Joe wearing these clothes of death as well, but this isn't Samoa Joe's first rodeo. So he got out of the way, he wrapped his fist in this towel, he just punched Darby right in the face. I laughed at this because I'm a bad person. This is when Joe got the garment and threw it away and went on the outside to set up a table. But because he was doing this, Darby Allen decided to do that crazy dive, meaning he hit the wood and the wood went right into Samoa Joe's head. Surprise, surprise. He began to bleed. This got even more crazy afterwards, though, because Darby set up Simba the still steps. He was going to whip Samojo into them. Samojo reversed it, and Darby hit them, and he took a fall over Barry Barricade into the crowd. I don't know why I keep doing this. It makes me feel better. And then fought out there for a little while. When they got back to the ringside area, Joe threw him over Barry Barricade, and Alan's head basically hit Simba the still steps. Then when they were in the ring, it was just a bludgeoning to the point, as always, I was just shouting, stop, stop, he's already dead. They got even worse because when they were fighting in the corner, Joe just grabbed Darby and threw him over top rope and he just pancaked on the floor. When he set up some steel chairs, he grabbed Alan and he suplexed him through him. I was like, what else are we going to do in this? How the flub is he still standing? Somehow Darby was able to get back into this when he hit a surprise code red onto Joe. And then he got that damn hoodie with the thumbtacks in. He went to the top rope and he hit the coffin drop. I can't believe they did anything this on regular ass TV. That was totally horrible and somehow it only got a two. <laughs> when Darby all of a sudden showed us that he had a knife, given what had happened, I honestly thought he was just going to stab Samoa Joe. And I'd be like, well, yeah, what else were you going to do? But instead, he started cutting away at the ring so he could expose the wooden boards underneath. By this point, Joe had rolled to the outside, so Darby once again was like, hey, now I can hit a dive. And he went for this. Joe did his nope spot. He walked to the side. Darby Allen went flying into a table. And what I meant to tell you, this guy's nuts. Of course, then Joe powerbombed Darby onto the hoodie of death and took it and wrapped it round his face. So that's pins going into his skull. And somehow Allen continued to be in this because he was going for coffin drop number two, which he probably would have hit when Samoa Joe went full on dickhead and he pushed the referee into the ropes and he crushed Alan on the top. In case you weren't terrified for everybody in this already, Samoa Joe then assumed the muscle buster position. He grabbed Darby Allen and he gave him that right into the exposed ring and on the wooden boards. And of course the ref went one, two, three. We have a brand new TNT champion. Once again, for all the people being pessimists, there is for the third time going, I can't believe they changed hands again. That's the whole point with the TNT title. You want to make it as different from the world championship as you can. It also tied right into our next feud because of course, as Samoa Joe was celebrating, Wardlow made big return and he's got a haircut now after Samoa did cut his hair off. And he was about to powerbomb Samoa Joe when Joe legged it and the security ran in to calm him down. So do you know what Wardlow did? He just beat everybody up and we went full WCW here. 
because he took one of them. He was about to powerbomb them when Dynamite went off air. I love it when people do that. You have to be live to see the carnage. So this was a way to rehab Wardlow. Absolutely two thumbs up. The dude was on fire. And of course, it meant when Dynamite was over, you sat there and thought to yourself, well, I better tune in next week. I want to see what's going to happen. Up. Which does bring us to the end of another AEW Dynamite and of course it gets an up overall and just to address those crazy people who do come at me every single week it's a positive show you absolute goobers you have to earn your downs whereas ups are going to be thrown out like pennies I don't know what that means let's just move on you should also be seeing another What Culture video on your screen right now probably ups and downs for Raw so make sure you do give it a click and stay on the ups and downs journey and please do like the video share the video and subscribe and leave a comment below Probably tell me I'm an idiot. We're also on social media, WhatCultureWWE and Simon Miller 316 And you can check out our website, WhatCulture.com. Thank you very much for watching Ups and Downs. I'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.